It is June 1993, and I just graduated from the Karaganda Polytechnical Institute with a diploma in mining engineering. And that diploma, for which I worked very hard during the six years studying mechanics, physics, chemistry, you name it, was actually useless because one year earlier, Soviet Union collapsed. And uh, with that collapse, there was also a collapse of Kazakhstan's economy. And one of the first industries that actually closed down was the mining industry. So um, what to do? There are no jobs. And um, I try to do whatever I can to survive. So I take any jobs. I wash the floors. I clean the public bathrooms. I take night shifts. I also decided to study accounting because there are lots of uh, small and medium enterprises that, that need such services. But there's still no jobs. Imagine graduating from CBS just to find out that your education is suddenly useless. A situation where all the years of reading, calculating and setting exams are suddenly a waste of time. How would you react? What would you do? Would you throw in the towel or get back in the saddle and search for other career paths? Personally, I think I would probably give up. But for some people, giving up is not an option. Not even when their career is set back to square one. My name is Casper Christensen, and this is a CBS Wire podcast series we call Outside the Box. It's a series where we meet some of the most colorful people at CBS, who with their stories and personalities, make the university a joyful and diverse place to be. And now, without wasting more of your time, here's the episode's main character, Dana Minbaeva. truly fascinated by uh, stories about people who keep pushing, who keep doing what what matters despite of the difficulties, delays, dilemmas and things like this. I am half full <laughs> rather than half empty. So I think I'm more optimist rather than pessimist. I think I would describe myself as a problem solver because if we have a situation at hand, or if we have a problem, I would like to find the ways to solve it. And that sometimes uh, could actually be perceived differently because some people uh, may see it as being too pushy. And um, actually I got such feedback once. Dana is too pushy. (laughs) They said. So I got back to my superiors and I asked if my name was Dan, would I get such feedback? Probably no, was the honest answer, I would say. But um, I took that feedback very seriously. So um, after I got this feedback, I took a deep dive into research on self-management books. So I found some answers and I did a lot of work. So for me, the biggest lesson learned was that 
I need to stay focused and smile. But there was also a second lesson learned uh, from that feedback. If you want to change things and you, you cannot please everyone, and if you're pleasing everyone, you aren't making enough progress. So I guess I'm stuck with the label of a problem solver, but now I'm doing it with more smiles. <laughs> <laughs> You have decorated your office with a, a lot of different objects. Um, and right now we're looking at some kind of a bag. Can you tell me the story about it? Yes, every single thing I have in my office actually has a story. <laughs> so this is a bag that I got from my best friend at my farewell party. And um, it is a, actually made from a traditional Kazakh um, material. Um, with traditional Kazakh ornament, but you could say uh, in a little bit of modern time. So this is uh, this is here with me as a you know piece of uh, Kazakhstan and a reminder of my very good friends that I still have there. And it, it kind of portrays a person or some kind of a being with a, a necklace on and and hair. Pointing yeah. up in the air. Yeah, yeah. Is there any idea behind that? Yes, that's what they found in one of the uh, mountain areas and grots. Oh. So that's a drawing from the very, very old times, you could say, right? So something on the something which was um, uh, preserved uh, in the in the rocks. So, so kind of a cave painting thing. Something like that. And of course, the color scheme <laughs> as an addition. But I think what I like about it is that everything you use usually comes from uh, things that surround your house. Like, for example, something from animals, something from uh, grass, uh, you name it, right? So it is kind of a, you could say, very local production. <laughs> In the end of 1993, I hear the announcement on the local radio inviting applicants to uh, a, a new program at KeyMap in Almaty. It is a two years North American-like MBA program. Naturally, there is a fee of $300 and uh, there is admission test uh, ILTS and GMAT. So that's my chance. That's what I want. The problem is I don't speak English. And the another problem is that I don't have $300. So uh, what can we do? At that time, Kazakhstan introduced local currency, Tenge. But because of the absence of information of communication technology, there is a 12 hours gap um, between announcement of the exchange rates. In the condition of hyperinflation, that actually gives you a nice margin. So uh, with a friend of mine, we decided to uh, jump on this opportunity and uh, we would travel to Almaty to buy uh, US dollars and then take an overnight train to travel to the north, to the city of Kraganda. And then we will have three hours window to sell the dollars and get that margin. So sometimes we earned one dollar. Sometimes we earned five. In one or two times, we earned ten dollars per trip, 
but uh, I also need to speak English. So what do I do then? Well, someone gave me a Walkman so that I can borrow the tapes from the local library and study English while on the train between Almaty and Karaganda. So that was December, January and February. By March 1st, I got my $300 and um, I study a lot. And at the beginning of March, I packed my life into two suitcases and I moved to Almaty to take a test in order to get accepted to the MBA program. And uh, by uh, mid-March, I received very good news. I am now an MBA student at KIMAP in Almaty. What initially sparked your interest in, in science? I don't think it was science. Um, I think it was actually more teaching. Um, thinking about my childhood, you know, playing with my cousins, I always was a teacher. You know, they would be whoever. They would be cowboys or, I don't know, policemen. I would always be a teacher. So um, I guess that's probably the teaching side of uh, <laughs> of doing science that, that attracted me. And what is it about teaching, do you think, that interests you? This moment of co-creation, you know, when you, um, you bring a piece of knowledge into the classroom and uh, students come with their knowledge and experience, their intuition, their interest, and somehow we start co-creating, we start cooking together, and in that process, suddenly you get to this aha moment, and you see light bulbs coming up in the students' eyes, and you understand that you just created something magical. So that's what interests me. Mm -hmm. So that's why I very seldom lecture, and that's why I really like case-based teaching, or, you know, bringing live cases in the classroom, uh, or discussing the phenomenon that we're observing currently. So I, I, I really like that process of, of, of co-creation um, that happens when you uh, bring different pieces of knowledge together. There is uh, a picture. That is actually from China. So I, I bought it uh, in, in Beijing 12 14 years ago, I was at the um, uh, Conference Academy of International Business was in Beijing, and I was just walking the streets of the local market, and then uh, an artist started, you know, conversation with me, and he told this story about, um, it's actually quite a famous uh, Chinese, um, uh, you could say, story about a man who once upon a time uh, had a very good horse and one day his, ho his horse ran away and at that time horse meant a lot of money to his family so his friends came and said we are very, we are very sorry to hear that but this old man said well don't worry maybe something good will happen and his horse actually came back with another horse and a few days later his friends came and said congratulations but this man said well maybe something good, maybe something bad will happen. And actually, his son, who loved to ride, he took this new horse for a ride, but actually fell down and broke his legs. Or one leg, I think. <laughs> and then his friends came again, and they said, well, we are very sorry. And then the man said, well, maybe it's a good thing. And two years later, 
a war broke and uh, you know all the healthy young men must go to serve the army but his son because his son because of his broken leg actually stayed home so and the story goes like this like this but the main uh, kind of narrative in here is that um, you know there are no good things so bad things everything happened for a reason and you just have to be grateful for what you have and uh, em- embrace the future so that's how i read that so it is may 1994 and i'm finalizing my mba studies but i also work as a research assistant for one of our professors and then one day someone comes by the office and says, Dana, don't you want to join the meeting organized by a Danish firm Rambol just down the hall? I don't know what the meeting is about, but why not? The meeting is actually about a possibility to be recruited as a first local faculty members at KeyMap. Until 1994, there were only exclusively foreign faculty who worked at KeyMap and taught the programs. But from 1994 and onwards, the idea is that all programs should gradually introduce local faculty members so that they could take over teaching. So a very nice lady, Metavisti, from uh, Rambul, tells uh, interesting stories about the project uh, of local faculty development. Uh, she also mentions the possibility of perhaps getting enrolled into a PhD program in one of the universities of EU Tasis project that she represents. But she also tells uh, wonderful stories about the city of Copenhagen, because as a first trip of this local faculty development program would be to Copenhagen. At this time, I actually already have a job offer. I got an offer to join a local manufacturing plant as a VP in HR. So uh, do I want to try completely different paths? <laughs> well, my father, who is a professor in neorganic chemistry, <laughs> he tells me, Dana, you could always become a vice president, but you may never have chance to do a PhD. So... Uh, I finalized my exams. We have a huge graduation party. And next morning, I'm taking a taxi to the airport to come to Copenhagen, Denmark. Um, I think it's the fewest people who think to themselves, well, my education is useless. I guess I'll just have to learn English from square zero. Uh, and see where it takes me. Where does your drive come from and, and what motivates you? Um, drive is a big word. And I, I don't think I have a drive you know, to excel or achieve something. But I definitely have a drive not to fall backwards. And where does this come from? Experience. So... I still remember how much does my back hurts, you know, when I wash the floor every day. I, I still remember how difficult it is not to throw up when you clean public bathrooms. You know, I remember how difficult it is to know that your monthly salary uh, is going to be obsolete at the end of the month because of hyperinflation. 
I remember standing in front of the kiosk and thinking what to buy, a, a monthly bus bath or a package of downhill because there are no money for both, right? So my drive comes from from not wanting to experience that again mm-hmm. and uh, uh, rather, you know, to do something about it. What can you do about it? But I actually remember there was one episode. So that is autumn 1993. I finished accounting courses, <clears throat> started looking for a job as accountant because I was very much in demand. Um, and at that time, there was lots of small businesses that would uh, uh, kind of rent apartments on the ground floor or operate from their own houses. So I got an interview for a position at a small enterprise. I come in and um, they asked me to take off my shoes because it was actually someone's apartment. And I couldn't. I couldn't because I was ashamed of my stockings. They were so old. They were repaired and sued so many times with different colors. They were lapped. And I was too ashamed. I was 22. You know, if it was today, I would have walked barefooted. I don't care. But I was 22 and I couldn't take my boots off. And then they said, if you don't take your shoes off, there is no interview. So I left angry, humiliated, and definitely committed to make changes in my life. Mm-hmm. So, so it's not motivation to achieve a goal in the future or succeed in a career. It is a motivation to change sliding path. And such paths could hit you at any time. It could hit you at any age. It could hit you at any stage of the career. Sliding path. And uh, on the opposite side, uh, there is also a bookshelf. And on the top of that, there is a lot of diplomas. And can you tell me about some of them? Um, yeah, I know it's not a Danish tradition to to hang mm-hmm. <laughs> the diplomas, but uh, well, I, I do hang those that, that mean a lot, right? And you can see that the very first one over there, this is my MBA diploma. That's the one I got uh, um, uh, uh, in 1996 um, as my second education. Uh, so uh, that diploma is actually signed by uh, Kazakhstan's first president, uh, Nur Sultan Nazarbayev, because um, the, the, the university that offered uh, MBA education in English with foreign professors, um, that was actually organized uh, under the wing of the uh, of the first president, so to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can see the the the, the number, uh, I think it was number 24, something like this, and his signature in there. Um, on the back of this diploma, uh, you will find a, a small dry plant, um, and it's attached to that diploma, and it, that plant is from a uh, um, place where my grand, great-parents are buried, because um, I just wanted to have their spirit with me. So mm. that, that, uh, that's the first one. And th- wow. the other ones are, um, well, some prizes. For example, Tietken Prize and that little 
uh, yes, something. something like this is also uh, with that. York Funds um, Research Prize, Decade Award. Yeah, some of the teaching research case case writing yeah. <laughs> prizes, but. Um, so that's something that I kind of collect in there. Which one are you most proud of? Proud of? Oh, yeah. um, well, I'm I'm most proud of that picture. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing that's your son. That's my son. Yes, that's 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 what I'm proud. That that's I'm most proud, right? And but in terms of all other things, well, I guess maybe the, the one I'm most proud of is not there yet. So it's about striving for getting a new goal always or No, it's about not being satisfied with status quo. Mm. It's not about it's not necessarily about achieving more, wanting more. It's not it's more about not being satisfied with with you know taking for granted kind of thing, right? So uh so um it is the sliding pass. Mm. That's what uh, I I don't I don't want to have. Yeah. June 1996, together with my uh, colleagues, I'm following uh, introduction to the local faculty development program. I'm experiencing lots of great things about Copenhagen and Denmark, but. I also feel very different. We look different and people stare at us. And um, there are actually not so many differently looking people in the streets of Copenhagen. So uh, we really stick out. But at the same time, I'm introduced to CBS, this um, fascinating and wonderful institution. I was amazed by the resources available and most of all, by the CBS library. So the next four years, um, basically I traveled between Kazakhstan and Europe, spending one semester teaching in, in Kazakhstan and one semester on some kind of programs at CBS, at Vienna University, at Asha at Esade. And in 1999, in September, I joined the pre-doctoral program at HSA in Paris. And again, 1999, HSA is a very different school. There is only one professor who uh, teaches in English, <laughs> and uh, we are one of the very first international PhD students at Common Exchange. By the end of my year at HSA, I'm told, well, your pre-doctorate could be in English, but your doctorate should be in French. And I'm thinking, I just learned English, come on. <laughs> Luckily, one of my uh, colleagues sends me a link to a job announcement at CBS in my field. So I take what I have at HSA, I send it to CBS. And two months later, I receive a letter from CBS offering me a job as a PhD student at Copenhagen Business School. So interestingly, Kazakh and Danish cultures, they have uh, a lot in common. So we yeah, are so far far away from each other. Uh, and uh, first and foremost, it's a humor. 
an ability to laugh about oneself. But my experience in living in different countries, um, not only Kazakhstan and, and, and Denmark, um, but especially during the last 20 years in Denmark, taught me this importance of responsibility that every member of society has towards that society. I was raised during Soviet Union time in the country where culture, values, language was suppressed, taken away. The history was rewritten and um, whatever left of science and education was just pushed on their knees by, by political powers. And uh, that gave me a perspective to anything I experienced later in life, right? Then understanding that as a, as a citizens, as academics, we have a responsibility to serve society, help that society to solve its challenges and continuously transform itself, right? Towards whatever the society wants to go, but definitely away from political pressures. So Denmark taught me a lot. But that ownership of responsibility, I think, is the biggest one. There is also saying in Danish, I, I probably don't say it right, but which basically means the widest shoulders should carry the weight. And that, I think, something that the rest of the world could learn. If you could travel back in time and give Dana from let's say, 93, some advice, what would that be? That's a difficult question because, you know, if I if I suggest doing something differently, that would mean that I have regrets and, and you know, I really don't. Um, uh, an advice may be to aim higher and um, understand that without failure there is no achievement, so that's okay to aim higher and fail because you would learn something from there, right? And aiming higher requires um, courage and, and resilience. For example, when I talk about it to our PhD students or younger faculty members, you know, I totally understand, uh, you know, it's insane to to send manuscripts to the journals with 95, 96% of rejection, right? But, you know, it, Sometimes you, you you need to be brave, right? Sometimes there is this perfect combination of interesting theory, you know, perfect data, fantastic story. And when, when you have that, ask yourself a question. Am I aiming high enough, right? So that's, that's I think, uh, with, with regards to... With regards to professional career, that's what I would uh, uh, say to Dana in 1993. In terms of um, personal kind of well-being and development, I mean, even now, forget 1993, <laughs> now there are certain situations that I still walk around and think I should have said that and I, I should have acted differently. So so there's lots of aftermath thinking and there is constant conversation with, with yourself. So, But I don't have regrets in that regard. But 
I do have situations when I when I would go like, oh, I should have said that, or I should have done that. I could give you an example. Um, at one of the uh, CBS gatherings, uh, while our president was speaking, I heard a male voice whispering in my ear, you shouldn't wear such a short skirt when top management is present. And I couldn't say anything. Because first of all, I became so totally red in the face. I was like a, that fish with open mouth and nothing was coming out of that. And it was, I was so, it was so frustrating. And I was so affected by that situation for many days, if not the weeks, right? Because, and it's not about me. I mean, the worst feeling was that that Professor Emeritus, would go around thinking that's okay to things like to say things like this to to female colleagues because it was not serious it was just for fun i didn't mean it you know the usual kind of excuses right um but at the same time because i remember now how horrible i you know felt about it so next time situation comes I actually promised myself to stand up immediately to say that. And there was a, a one situation where, you know, that experience really helped. It was not a very similar situation, but I was at the board meeting in one of our, um, could say, representations from representing CBS. And uh, suggest, so I was suggesting uh, a certain way of dealing with the problem. And one board member late 60s, white, male, Dane, he said to me, it's not how we do things in Denmark, Dana. And and I didn't say anything right there because again, <laughs> I became speechless. Uh, but, but then, you know, thinking about it, I kind of recall how horrible I felt about that short skirt incident. So I called up that board member for individual meeting and um, put together what kind of all my courage together and all my thoughts together. And I said to him, I don't appreciate, you know, such comments. And I am experienced board member. And after 20 years in Denmark, I know how things are in Denmark. And first, furthermore, I'm at the board representing CBS, uh, a place where that, that gathered all that international knowledge and experience. And of course, you know, he said that the usual, like, I didn't mean it that way. It was just for fun and etc. So we were cool there, but it was very important for me to, you know, to stand up and say that. So I would say to Dana 1993, I don't have a clear message, but we're still talking <laughs> every day and every minute, trying to uh, keep that courage and um, and stand up and say when it matters. Mm. That is all I have for you in this episode of Outside the Box by CBS Wire about the cup is always half full optimist Dana Ninbaeva. I hope you were at least just a tiny bit as flabbergasted as I was when I first heard her inspiring story and philosophical take on life. Please tell all your colleagues, co-students and friends at CBS about our podcast. And be sure to listen again next time when you'll meet a new, equally eccentric and interesting person from CBS. My name is Casper Christensen. Talk to you soon. <laughs>